So what I want to teach on, or I'm going to start teaching on, is, um, well, I don't even know what I'm going to call it for sure. I think we put movement in the, in the bulletin. On my notes, it says don't stay stuck. I'm really not sure what we're going to call it. So we're just going to feel it out for a couple of weeks. But um, for the last m- several months, uh, I've been speaking on forgiveness, forgiving ourselves, forgiving others, uh, walking through offense and, and, and not being easily offended ourselves and also trying not to offend others. Uh, and and uh, I don't know how many people saw, I started a church blog um, where I just am going to share my heart maybe once a week if I have something. Um, and this week I, I shared about, so twice in the last month I've posted something on Facebook and it stirred up some controversy. And then I've had to take the post down because that's not my, my intent. It's never, it was, that's not true. That's not true. It is my intent. When I post those things, I know that it's going to bother somebody. I know it is. And what, I, what I've done is I've taken them down and I've apologized. I put a, a public apology on Facebook. I'm sorry that I posted this. And, and people say different things to me. Some say it wasn't a big deal. Some people say I love your heart. I love, and some people tell me that I'm in the wrong and, and whatever. But in both of those apologies... I said it was not my intent to offend. But yes, it was. It was my intent. I knew when I post something, and and I'm not going to live here, but I want to explain the blog and and kind of the, the direction that we're heading. When I post something that's controversial, not biblical principles, okay? We're not talking about Bible. We're not talking about Jesus. We're not talking about the gospel. None of that should be watered down in any way. That we know that Jesus preached the most offensive message ever, and that was eat me and drink me, right? You guys with me on that story? People got up and left during that sermon. It was an offensive sermon, but I... So I I did these two public apologies, but I wasn't truthful because when I post things, I don't even remember what the last one is about. Somebody probably did. Oh, it was about school. It was about homework. I was upset about homework that one of my foster kids has because they sent home for the weekend four reading packets, 11 pages of math, and four writing papers he still hasn't mastered sight words. And so it's not feasible to do that. And I got upset. And so where did I turn? To my savior, everybody else's opinion. And I, what I wanted see, I didn't want to offend negatively. I needed people on my side to support my way of thinking. See, it had nothing to do with the gospel, had nothing to do with Jesus, and everything to do with my offense at one of my children being treated unfairly. And I will stand by that. We have two teachers in the room. I am adamantly against homework. I will put that on Facebook or on on my thing right now. There's no research that says that homework helps learning. 
any more than doing it at school. There's no research for that. So I'm against it. Doesn't matter, we'll do it because that's the assignment. So I posted because I needed an army behind me of fellow outraged people. But unfortunately, there were casualties in my recruiting process. There were people who thought that it wasn't excessive. And then this person and this person began to argue. And then this person said some hurtful things and then this person, and it just became a thing. And I took it down and I said, I'm sorry, it was not my intent. And I'm being transparent with you all. It was my intent. It was. So I, I wrote a blog this week about what, about the, the idea of living an offense-free life and what that means. And what it, what it means is not that we never mess up. It's not that we never offend somebody. It's not that we never say or do something wrong, but we take responsibility for our actions. I cannot stress to you enough how important I believe that is within the kingdom of God. Uh, first of all, I don't think that my, I, and here's where I've been wrong in the past. And let me tell you that I am going to change that if it means deleting Facebook. Facebook is not my personal diary. And so I should not be posting my things. You do you. This is not directed at anybody else. This is, this is honest me. I should not be posting things that I'm struggling with. I should be going to my brother's and saying, I'm struggling. Mark, I need, I need help here. I'm really having a hard time. Monty, I need you to come over and just sit with me for a few minutes. If I want people on my side, I need to call my family and say, I need you to rally. This morning, as you guys know, we, we've formed an intercessory team, and, and Tammy, this is your formal invitation. I, I, I was going to talk to you privately, but I'm just going to do it here. Um, we formed an intercessory prayer team. And so this morning when I got up and I was struggling and I was discouraged and I was defeated, I sent out a, a text message to, to a few people. And I said, I'm very defeated this morning. I need prayer. What was I doing? I wasn't complaining. I was calling my family and saying, help me. But I didn't call anybody who I thought that it would negatively affect how they viewed the day. Because I don't want me to be a stumbling block. Does that make sense? So that had no point. I just needed to share it. I needed to be transparent that when I said it wasn't my intent to offend, that was not true. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry to you all. Because what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks is not staying stuck. So when we were at our conference, uh, Robert Madu, I played a, an eight-minute clip of him uh, that day. Do you guys remember? Very good, very dynamic speaker. I will not be talking about a moving walkway today. I want to, but Justice said I wasn't allowed. Um, cause I look ridiculous. He said, uh, 
But he, he shared he he shared that story the the sermon and and I don't remember the title of the sermon. It could have been don't be don't stay stuck. It could have been movement. I don't know what it was. And and I'm not mimicking. I am a little bit today talking. Going to talk a little bit about his sermon to move us into this series. But he made a statement, and I, I it's a statement that that. Is, is about as meaningful to me as the one, uh, sometimes we say things because we believe them and sometimes we say them until we do. It's got almost that much impact in my life. And that statement was stagnation in the place designed for movement will always produce frustration. Did you guys with me? You want me to say it again? Good, I'll say it again. Stagnation in a place designed for movement will always produce frustration. And the, he gave some, some great ex- examples of that. And, and, and one of the examples was you can sit down and get Netflix on TV and spend hours watching Netflix. I can do it. Maybe yours is Fox News, whatever it is. But you can spend hours sitting watching TV because in that moment, you're sitting on a couch. Is a couch a mechanism designed for movement? No. So you're comfortable there. You can sit there. But then if you get on an elevator and the elevator gets stuck between floor two and floor three, how quickly do you become frustrated and panicked? Because you're in a mechanism designed for movement, but it's stagnant. See, when God created us, he created us to be mechanisms designed for movement. How do we know that? He told the disciples to go and make disciples of all men, preaching to everyone, healing the sick, right? He, it says the kingdom of God suffers violence. Take it by force. But if you translate it from the Greek, what it says is the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the, king, or the kingdom of God suffers violence, but then we forcefully advance, We're a mechanism designed for movement. And that that phrase has had such an impact on me because I started thinking and I I was talking to grandpa on the phone and and he asked me what I was going to start the next series on because he knows I always preach in series. It kind of drives him nuts. But he asked what my next series was and and I said, I'm going to preach on movement. And and then we talked about some stuff that he had seen that had nothing to do with movement, but he had seen it. And, and so we talked, which was amazing. He had got some really great revelation. And, and, uh, and then I said, see, I I went to this conference and I heard this phrase that stagnation in a place designed for movement produce only produces frustration. And he just got fired up because what you start thinking about is think about a, a pond with no entrance or exit of water. What happens in that pond is moss and mold begins to grow in the water and the water begins to get sick and just have disease in it. Fish can't live there. They can't live there because of the stagnation that has happened. The only thing that survives and thrives in places of stagnation are things that can kill you. Crocodiles and alligators stay in areas of stagnant water. Snakes stay in areas of stagnant water. What kind of bugs are attracted to stagnation? Mosquitoes, they suck the life out of you. 
They can carry disease. See, what happens in our Christian life is that when we become stagnant, the only thing that can survive there is the thing that will kill you. Sin. (laughs) Just thinking about last week. (laughs) I am too. It's either hot or cold in here. There's no, it's like revelations. You're either hot or cold. There's no lukewarm in this room. Well, kind of. But when we become stagnant in our Christian walk, what happens is that moss and mold begins to grow. and, And what used to be a beautiful pond becomes a place of death. And then we get frustrated. God, why aren't you moving? Because we're in a place of stagnation. How many people have gotten frustrated because you feel like you're stuck in a place? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Why? Because a a mechanism designed for movement that's in a place of stagnation will only produce frustration. Yeah. 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 That stagnation. When I woke up this morning, I was, de- I, was, I, was, I was not depressed. I was defeated. That's what I was. That was, the tr- that was the facts. The facts were I felt defeated this morning. Okay? It's just like having cancer or having arthritis or having anything else. The fact is I was defeated. But the truth is that God is bigger than my emotion, right? But but what happened, I got up and I got I felt defeated and then I became frustrated. I was very frustrated about everything. At that point everything was frustrating. Love you, Marla. Yeah. Uh at that point, everything was frustrating to me because, because I had gotten stuck this morning. I got stuck in my defeat. A shackle had shackled itself to my leg and I allowed it to go there. Yeah? And I got stuck and I couldn't move and then I got frustrated and then I decided to cry out to God and say, I believe, help my unbelief. Like, I'm asking you to show up, but if you don't, we'll fake it. Like, we'll, we'll get through the service is what I mean. We're not going to fake what God does, but what I'm saying is we'll go through the motions, we'll do worship, and we'll do the word, and we'll pray, and we'll bye, right? Because that's how I felt this morning, because I was stuck right here, and I was frustrated about what was going on, because this morning, I became stagnant. It can happen that quickly. When I give in to an emotion or a feeling, it can happen that quickly that all of a sudden my life becomes stagnant. And you can ask my wife, the only thing that was surviving were words that could kill. I hate this. This is terrible. I can't believe that they would do that. I began to speak death because that was the only thing surviving in my stagnation.
And it wasn't until I came over here and I got on the drums and they were having church and I was having practice. <laughs> That's what I was doing back there. I, I, he said they were having church and I was like, oh, I didn't feel nothing. Uh, I was stuck. And I was playing the drums and it sounded good. Ned, it sounded really good. I'm really good on the drums. And then I thought I was being kind. I, I must not have been. <laughs> And Denise said something, and I think I told her to knock it off. And, and, uh, and, but Denise is one of my people. And so Denise said, we need to pray. And so she comes over. She brings Monty over. And she's like, there's a gum stuck on him, and you've got to pull it off. You've got to pull it off. And I, could, I don't feel. I'm not a feeler, Ned. I don't feel anything. And I felt it come off. And what I knew in that moment was I wasn't stuck anymore. Yeah. Because I'm a mechanism designed for movement. And then Tammy comes up and Tammy shares and I'm not, we're just going to do this today, okay? We'll, we'll do this next week. Tammy comes up. And she shares this story about an impartation or a word, that, not a story, an impartation, a word that she got that, that people who have been crying out for more, this was your opportunity. And I came up here and I said, move. Because your mechanism's designed for movement. It's time to move. We can no longer sit. It doesn't work anymore, guys. That's stagnation. I'm not saying everyone has to come forward every time. That's not what I'm saying. I would love that. Because what does this show? What is it? When, when you're in a, a service that you don't know, okay? Sorry, sorry, Tim. I'm off the stage. And I'm sitting here with you. And the, and the preacher up there says, if there's anybody who wants more of God, come up. And I come up. What does that show? It shows hunger. It shows a desire for more of him. It not only encourages the speaker, because it does encourage the speaker. And let me tell you, like right now, you guys talking back to me, whoo, I'm in it. We can go all day if you do this. Things like that. I better get up here. I'm going to get in trouble. Things, things like that encourage the speaker. But guess what? It encourages God. It encourages God. There is nothing more special here than there except that you have said, I will be even more undignified than this. I will move because I'm a mechanism designed for movement. We won't go till 2.30 today, I promise. Three. No, I have to call prisons in a few minutes. I'm on call. That is what it is. We'll get. Did they call? When? No, don't do that because I may be way past the legal timelines. Amazing. Was it Orfino or Cottonwood? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, okay. So it looks like I'm going to work this afternoon. Um, but we're mechanisms designed for movement. There's nothing more special here than in your pew except for an outward display of an inward cry for more. Yeah. 
I'm going to say that again. Coming forward is an outward display of an inward cry for more. It's embarrassing, especially in a group this big. Even though we're, we're all friends, we're all family, it can be embarrassing, especially if no one else is coming, if no one else is getting up, and you're like, I know I want to get up. I just, I, I just can't. I, I, I would look stupid. David danced naked in the streets. And his wife was like, you're an idiot. And he said, oh, honey, you haven't seen anything yet. That's my translation. The Bible says that he said, oh, honey, I will be even more undignified than that. I will do way more than Dan Steakin. I don't know what else there is that can be more undignified, but he was willing to do it because it was an outward display of an inward cry for more. David was very special. And he was the most authentic. I think he was the most authentic person in the Bible in his writings. I love Psalms because throughout Psalms, there's the change my heart, O God. There's the bless the Lord, O my soul. There's the why are you doing this? I love the transparency of David. Because he knew he was a mechanism designed for movement. And to be a mechanism designed for movement requires transparency. It requires it. You cannot hide and move forward at the same time. Because hidden sin is still sin. I'm trying very hard in my life to be very transparent. Because I don't want anything. If I'm not sure... If it's not good or not, I'm just going to, I'll just confess it. it. says confess your sins one to another. So I'm just going to get up here with a microphone, tell everybody, I lied on Facebook. I tried to get you worked up and I'm sorry. And then I said it wasn't my intent to make me look good. Why am I being transparent? Because I'm a mechanism designed for movement. Amen. And I refuse to be frustrated. When you feel frustration, like right now, when you feel frustration, it means that you're stuck. Did you know that? If you're frustrated about the direction your life is taking, if you're frustrated about your circumstance, if you're frustrated about your finances, if you're frustrated about your emotions, if you're frustrated about the government, if you're frustrated about me, if you're frustrated about your spouse, you're stuck. It comes back to offense is really what it comes back to. Something has offended somebody, you at some point, and you have gotten yourself stuck in a place of unforgiveness or in a place of sin. You're stuck. How do we know? Because you're a mechanism designed for movement. And if you're not moving because you're feeling frustration, you know, uh-oh, I need to do some self-evaluation. Where am I stuck at? What I've found in myself is there's areas where that spirit of religion creeps its fingers in and says, well, that's not how we've always done it. Or for me, 
that spirit of control. Well, I, I don't, we went really long in worship. And I specifically said, 11.45, that's when we cut off. And then I do announcements and do transition till noon. And then I preach till 12.45 and then we're done. I have that control and I can get frustrated and see what I've learned is, is if I'm back there or over there or wherever and, and something's not going the way I want and I begin to get frustrated, it's because I'm getting stuck in a spot. See, my, your problem is not me. Your problem is you. My problem is not you. My problem is me. And when I get stuck, and I'll give you a scripture again, so it's a legal sermon, I'll give you a scripture in a minute. When we get stuck, we get frustrated. Is this helping anybody? You saw the story, and I, I might even play it next week, the moving walkway story. I love the story because, or the analogy, because it's true. That when people stand on a moving walkway in an airport and you're trying to walk past them, it's very frustrating. Why? Because you're on a mechanism designed for movement and they've stopped all movement. And he says, I don't care. You can stand anywhere else in the airport, but don't stand on the walkway because that's designed for movement. See, in church, the kingdom of God is supposed to forcefully advance. Advancement means movement. Oh, gosh, I just want to step off this thing. I just, it's like I'm tempting him. I'm like getting my toe right. I'm like a two-year-old. Like, oh, oh, can you see me now? <laughs> he just gave me permission to do whatever I want. Just stop talking about it is what he just did. Uh, because every time I do that, it's more editing he has to do. So the, the, the idea is that that is a mechanism designed for movement. As a church, we are to forcefully advance. Forceful advancement means that we are a mechanism designed for movement. And when somebody decides to stop, you can stop and stand still anywhere else, but don't do it here. Because if you stop the movement, we're going to move you. Because this body forcefully advances. Amen. What does that look like? We press in. Worship was good. It was really good. First little bit, I'm like, okay, come on. Something's got something's to break here. I can feel something that needs to break in here. I can feel it. And then it started to break. And then Tammy had her word. And then I asked, I asked the girls to go pray for people. And then I came out and I, it hadn't broke for me yet. So we're going to camp until it breaks. That's what, that's what I said God, to God. We're going to stay right here until I feel it break. Because I'm not going to be stuck. We're going to move. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. And we'll close with this, and then we'll start over next week. (sighs) 
So this was kind of our theme verse for the last six months. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. But if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. I, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck here in that I feel like this is where we get stuck. This is the chief place where I, my, my movement within the kingdom stops. It, it, it's with unforgiveness. That's my chief spot. I have a couple others, but like that's the head of the gang. This morning, my defeat came from something I read that I interpreted, someone doesn't even attend this church, I interpreted as criticizing me. And I got offended. And then I got stuck. The analogy of the moving walkway. What's the issue? The person that stopped you from moving. Most of the time, and I'm not saying every time, but most of the time, our stuckness comes from unforgiveness. Because what stops me faster than anything is somebody who's being offensive to me. Just right there gets me. It sounds like one of mine, and it does not sound pleasant. It's a bummer I have to go to work. And what I want to say in closing today We're going to stay here in this topic for the next several weeks. And we're going to talk about different people who have gotten themselves stuck and then unstuck. We're going to talk about Saul, who was Paul. We're going to talk about Peter. We're going to talk about Thomas. We're going to talk about David. Because see, all of these people did things that got them stuck. But then they figured out a way to get unstuck. How did Peter get unstuck? He fixed his eyes on Jesus. He got stuck in the water. His fear shackled him. We're going to talk about that in detail. But his fear shackled him. He got out of the boat. Jesus was walking on water. They thought it was a ghost. He gets out of the boat because Peter is Peter. He's my favorite. And he says, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard because if it's a ghost, can't he do that too? Like it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, but he he did it. And so Jesus says, Peter, come. So he steps out on the water and he's looking at Jesus and he's walking on the water. And then he looks and realizes that he's walking on the water and he begins to sink. And that water becomes his shackle and he gets stuck in his fear and he can't move forward anymore. And Jesus says, just look at me, just look at me. And he gets unstuck and he moves forward. See, if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, it doesn't mean we won't get stuck. He was in the presence of Jesus and he got stuck. This is like two weeks from now, but it's good. 
he was, he was in the presence. The presence of Jesus was with him. And he still got stuck. So coming to church and sitting will not get you unstuck. Peter was in the presence of Jesus and he still succumbed. Is that a word, succumbed? It is today. It is today. He still gave in to fear in the presence of Jesus. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. Look at me. And then what did he have to do? He had to move. How amazing. So when we say press in, when we say declare, when we say whatever it is we say, you may not want to, you may think, oh my gosh, we're declaring that again. Can we move past that phrase in the song, please? Check your heart. Do you, do you have somewhere you need to be? I do. I have to go to work. But my point is this. Check your heart. I know that when I sit there, and not here, because it never happens here to any of us, but in other churches, when I've been in other churches, and I sit, and I'm like, oh my gosh, let's wrap this sucker up. What am I really saying? I'm done. I will no longer press in. I have now decided that something is more important than pressing in today. Because it has nothing to do with Monty, Lolita, me, Charity, Denise, Candy. It has nothing to do with any of us. We could get, Grandpa used to get up here and say, you can say chicken, 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 chicken all day long and the spirit can still fall. What he's saying, I don't 100% agree with that exactly because he's not being serious. But what he's saying is this. Worship is not what we just did on the stage today. Playing music is not what worship is. It is the avenue that we as Cream Ridge choose to take to worship God. Worship is about the condition of our heart, our forward momentum into his presence. And when his presence falls, if we take our eyes off of Jesus, we can still get stuck because we're designed for movement. Peter wasn't just to look at him, but he was to move. Keep walking. Acts chapter three, the lame man, when Peter and no, Peter and John came and this is, this is actually part of my sermon. Uh, Acts chapter 3 says, says that he says, hey, do you have any money? And they say, no, I don't have any. But I do have this. Rise up and walk. What did he say? Get up and move. Move. It's time to move. This church will come alive when we move. This church will come alive when you move. I'm excited because I really believe that this is 
so vitally important to our walk to understand. We don't, we're, we're not introspective in that we become selfish, but we do self-evaluate to make sure, okay, I'm experiencing some frustration here. Where am I stuck? What is causing me frustration? And that's my stuck point. And you may be even justified in being upset about your stuck point. You could be justified. It could be a valid reason to be stuck, except that you're a mechanism designed for movement. And so even if your reasoning, it, this just popped in my head, so I'm going to assume it's God and I'm going to assume it's for somebody, that you're stuck because of something somebody said to you or something somebody did to you that was so awful that you feel justified in holding on to that pain because you never want it to happen again so you don't want to forget. Here's the problem to whoever you are. You're stuck. You're stuck. And God's saying, let it go. Give it to me and move. Fix your eyes on me and move. We are mechanisms designed for movement. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you that you came. I know that it says where two or three are gathered together, you're in the midst of them. I know that, that the same spirit that rose you from the dead is in me and in all of us. I know that we carry the presence of God with us everywhere we go. We carry your presence. But I'm still in awe every time. It never stops amazing me that you came. And I never want to stop being amazed at your presence. Father, help us to move. Help us to move, Lord. That as we walk through our lives and we find stuck points, that we would remember that we're a mechanism designed for movement and that we would call our brothers, our sisters, and say, hey, I need you. I'm stuck. Father, I thank you. Oh, God. I thank you. Father, I lift up the Carr family today. This tragedy that happened over the weekend, Father, is unfathomable. Father, I pray for the mother and the father of those two precious little boys. Father, that through this, you did not cause this, you did not desire this, but that, God, you would take this and work it together for the good. Father, that you would send comfort and peace to those, that family, the parents, the grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousin. 
Father, that your peace, your shalom, the shalom of heaven, the, the, the peace that has the authority to destroy chaos would settle over that household. You spirit of suicide, you have no place there. And I cast you out in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for the first responders that were there. The firefighters, the police officers. Father, I know, I know, I, I know some things. And I know that, that what they had to see and witness has marked them. And Father, I pray for your peace. I pray for a peace over the first responders that surpasses all understanding. Father, I pray that your love would just shower over them. That while those memories are there, Father, that they would not cause turmoil or terror in them, Father. That they would not begin to torment those people. I, I declare that over their minds now. That those memories will not become torment in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that you take all things and work them together for the good. You don't cause tragedy, but you cause good to come out of it. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.